Hello and welcome to the More Mando Show, the show that gives you more Mando after the show. This week we're discussing Season 2's premiere episode, The Marshal. What we liked about it, what happened, and the discussion that follows. So let's just jump right into it. Tim, why don't you get, get us started? What What was this episode about? And first off, how pumped I was to finally have Mandalorian back in my life. Mm. Like I've, I've missed it. I mentioned this to you earlier, but there's not very many things that I watch where the second it starts, that like sincere little smile sits on my face and it's there the entire show. Like Mandalorian is that show for me. Uh, so man, I'm excited it's back. But this week's episode picks up with um, with the Mandalorian uh, continuing his mission to reunite uh, the child with his people. And episode kicks off. It starts with him getting information uh, in a back room, shady kind of boxing match. Um, he gets information that there may be another Mandalorian on Tatooine. So he heads to Tatooine in search of this other Mandalorian. And I think that's a good place to pause. We can just kind of reflect on the mm -hmm. first the first few minutes, the opening. I thought the opening to this episode was just awesome. It's a great Dick way Farrick, to show it. It was so good. Yeah. Corbin, why don't you give us some some thoughts <clears throat> on the opening scene? Uh, well, for, for starters, I will forever pocket Dank Farrick as a curse word now because it just works so well. <laughs> but uh, I love, love, loved the puppeteering on the guy that he was meeting at the fight club. Mm -hmm. It's really well done. And it was super well done. It was expressive. And uh, sometimes those puppeteerings, like you almost have to like suspend the disbelief a little bit because it doesn't quite sync up like the mouth was like fucking on point like i was flabbergasted it was very good screen. i was more impressed by that than i was by the dragon later in the episode and that says something about kind of like the effects and practical effects of today i think when they lean hard into practical figure out a great way of puppeteering and it's just like it just looks better if they can do it yeah. And I love that they continue to do that. Yeah. For all you uh, Star Wars nerds out there, Gore Korish is that guy's name. Gangster leader. So I didn't even realize that was a puppet. That's how good the puppet was. Mm. Dang. Clayton, yeah. what did you think about the opening scene? It was flipping awesome, man. I love how he is now so comfortable. He's he's always been a comfortable fighter. But besides that finale episode, this is the first real time where we see him utilizing the new set of armor. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just like taking blood. Like he uses helmet uh, to take a fist and kind of stun a guy for a minute. He just doesn't care. Like he's very comfortable using the Beskar as a weapon, knowing he's much more confident in his in his fights because he knows he's not gonna get too hurt. So and I just love Vibroblades. Like Vibroblades is something that 
has been pretty prevalent in extended media for Star Wars, but we've never actually really seen it in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And I just love that that type of weapon. The two uh, pig things had vibro axes. That's what they were fighting with in the fighting pit. And then, of course, uh, Mando has his vibro blade knife. I just lo- I love that. You know, something that I I was I realized maybe ten minutes into the show is the trailers that I was so excited about. Ten minutes into the show, I felt like I'd already watched like it was the entire trailer. Which means there's which so was, much more gold. Which to means see. there's so much awesomeness still to go. Usually you watch a show that's average and it's like, we're gonna give you the best clips of the entire season in the show, and it doesn't make sense till it's done. I got ten minutes into this episode, I'm like Holy crap, that was the trailer. Yeah, that was the And that yeah. was that was it. So like nothing has been spoiled at all. And that is super exciting because we live in a world where trailers tend to spoil what we're watching. And Mandalorian's done it's a master class. It's hey, we're gonna give you a, a few clips from the first episode and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other minor teasers that we would have had from the trailer is that we know that he's gonna get back with uh, characters from the first season yep. and then we know he's going to go to an ice planet because we see uh, the Razor Chris kind of land on an ice planet but besides that you're right basically That's everything it. was in this first episode I thought the exact same thing so, so funny you bring that up because I was like this means this season's going to be gold uh, it's such a cool thing to to see an awesome trailer like that and know that it was all in the first episode man it's freaking cool yep also, what is epic about this first episode is Mando is pointed to Tatooine because he's searching for more Mandalorians. He's hoping mm-hmm. that he can uh, locate another underground uh, Mandalorian coven so he can use that network to hopefully find uh, traces of a Jedi or at least leads. So when he gets there... We run into the Marshal very quick, played by Timothy Oliphant, who did a fantastic job. I was super excited with mm. him. The only, I think, the only issue I had with this whole episode was when he first walked in. I was like, "Man, Timothy doesn't fit right. You are so skinny." <laughs> <laughs> but in so. a way that that works out better, right? Because the idea is that he, I mean, he didn't quite scavenge it, but it's the same principle. Like he found a piece of armor mm-hmm. and he just wore it, so it almost works better that it doesn't fit appropriately because it wasn't meant for him so i felt like it kind of worked uh for the circumstances of why he had it yeah, yeah that was interesting i was like i was like that's boba's armor that's not boba <laughs> exactly yeah and they go uh all out because we and that's kind of what I, the segue i was using was we didn't have to wait till episode four five six to say oh boba fett uh the marshal is in the show you know or boba fett mm. is in you know in the show, we we got it, boom, right off. Yeah, and honestly, I almost didn't even recognize, like, I didn't recognize him at first. I was like, I think that's supposed to be Boba. And then it took me a second. I was like, oh, yeah, he's, like, old now. <laughs> yeah. Like, that actor. Are you talking about the very ending of the episode? Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Timothy Oliphant was, he was incredible. I'm I'm a big Timothy Elephant fan. Justified goes down as one of my all-time favorite shows. And I mean, he just is Mr. Cool and plays this role perfectly. 
Yeah. Perfectly. There was actually a part of me that thought as the episode developed and he was working side by side with the Mandalorian and you could see his true character that like, okay, he's not just a scumbag that stole Mandalorian armor. Like his story holds up. He's really trying to do the right thing for the town. I, there was this piece of me that thought he's going to let him keep the armor. Like he's seeing that it's doing good. He probably is looking at it and saying, this isn't real Mandalorian armor and just lets him keep it because it's for the greater good. But then as I thought about it more, I'm like, no, this advances the story even more because he'll end up reconnecting with his, with his kind. And they're going to tell him the backstory about what that armor is. And it's going to end up playing a bigger role in the show. I think. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I would, I would reckon that, uh, uh, Mando wouldn't be able to tell if it wasn't actual Mandalorian armor. So I yeah. think that's probably going to be revealed to him later. Um, I hope it is yeah, because I, they... I was waiting for it the whole time for him to reach a point where he's like, this isn't actually Beskar. And they even... Uh, some of the camera angles emphasized the um, dense... Um, mm-hmm. and blaster yep. shots on the armor. So I thought they were going to progress to that point. So I, I ultimately, I think that we will find out because part of me was like, surely they're not going to retcon this and act like this is real best car armor. Um, but I think that they're, they intentionally had those um, shots of the armor to show maybe plug mm-hmm. in people's minds who don't know. Again, we talked about right, it in like our intro. Flawed. We, ha- we haven't, we don't, haven't heard Dave Filoni talk about how George Lucas said, nope, he's not a real Mandalorian and we haven't watched Clone Wars to know that, nope, the you know people on Mandalore say that he's a faker and a, a fraud. Um, so they're setting it up in their mind. So I think it's going to be a big point later, hopefully. Yeah, the fact My that he kept it is... and keeps it alive into the future, which yeah. is so important to me because it's such a cool character to vet, to vet out, especially when you start putting all the pieces together of like, we are going to start getting Mandalorian backstory this year, right? Like the Darksaber, that's, they're going to have to explain why that's significant to the Mandalorians. And now you add in Boba Fett and mm-hmm. how that's significant to the Mandalorians. So I don't know, it's just painting this picture of, this is going to become a much deeper story than what most people would have probably thought at this, this, uh, this juncture. Yeah. And I was waiting for, um, at the start of a season, I always watch and you know, with a show like this, I usually let the recap go anyways, because they, um, usually bring up stuff that you, okay, this episode's going to be kind of about this because of what we showed you in the preview. Yeah. So I, for sure watch the recap on the premiere of a new season and I was it got towards the end I was like are we gonna see Moff Gideon use the dark saber because that tells me this is gonna play a part I know we said in our uh, preview episode that we believe it will it's a it's a super significant piece of Mandalorian history Um, and sure enough they show that the very last bit of the recap is the teaser uh, stinger Mm -hmm. of him using it so I'm excited. <laughs> so do we want to talk about um, the sand people? Do we want to talk about the uh, crate dragon? 
what do we, what do we want to get into next? Yeah, I think it's just it's interesting just to continue to see the world as divided as it is um, with the racial, for lack of a better way of saying it, undertones on Tatooine where, you know, the people are terrified of what they're calling the Leviathan. Uh, the sand people are also terrified, but their hatred for each other um, is preventing them from working together to fight a significant evil that's a, a risk to both of them. And I, I don't know, it just kind of added another dimension to the show where um, they're sitting there around the fire and Timothy Oliphant is not getting along with the sand people and he does not care that he's disrespecting them. Um, well, for me, it, like this episode in particular, like there are previous episodes where you could tell there was a Western vibe. This this episode 100% through oh, yeah. through just a Western. And it was just classic cowboys and Indians having to band together for some other threat. That was like, for me, that was the entire vibe of the whole episode. Yeah, I completely agree. That's uh, that's actually a great descriptive term, those cowboys and Indians. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly yeah. what we got this episode. I mean, it was cool to see everybody band together. Um, I still don't know how I feel about how they defeated the Leviathan. Like, I felt like that, like, makes sense, but also doesn't make sense. Like, okay, he just knows he's going to be swallowed and will be able to I get don't think out he, and blow it up. Yeah, I don't think it was I would planned, say, though. I would say for me that that was the only thing, and it's, you have to understand, it's nitpicking, but it was the only of thing course. I didn't really care for in the episode was that and, like, the montage of setting up the trap, and now he was describing it. Only because it's a tired trope that we've seen over and over again. And we've always seen the hero fly into the belly of the beast to explode it. So, like, there wasn't any originality in that whole last act, um, which is probably my only complaint, um, which, again, is it's a nitpick. And it's yeah only because we've we've had our standards continuously blown out of the water. So when they go back to, like, almost like a normal thing, it almost feels lesser than. Yeah, but as as Clayton said, maybe that wasn't the intent because if if I remember that he had the beast that was staked into the ground mm-hmm. that he was trying to he set up to eat, and then he's messing with that because it's about to get away. And yeah, he would have so maybe flown that was really intent. quick, but then he had to hold on to it. And you can even kind of see, at least to me, right up until the point where he's getting ready to swallow the bantha and he's holding it in place. He, he to me is looking like, okay, when can I get out? And he finally like kind of stops moving, realizing I'm just going to have to, I'm stuck, take it. And one thing I really like about, uh, Din Djarin, and this is why I think maybe it's not as much of a typical, I mean, it, I don't disagree with what, what you said, Corbin, but he's very willing to sacrifice himself for others this isn't the first time we've seen him say to somebody take care of the kid i'm gonna save the day i just i I will say though i will say though that at a certain point that will get annoying to me only because it shows his complete flippant disregard for the kid because at the end of the day these these he also doesn't these temporary party members are still strangers so I just, yeah, the but kid in, is in, in, in his hands with him and in, no one else knows the kid's backstory. No, but in Star Wars, it's very common for strangers to become fast friends 
and become close Amy. very quick. Uh, and Mando is also very choosy. I don't think he would have said take care of the kid to Cobb Vanth if he didn't know the type of person he was. You know what I mean? Same, like the the other person that he said that to was uh, the girl. I can't remember her name. Gosh darn it. The the shock trooper, the rebel shock, shock trooper. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, they were strangers at first, but now they're buddies. So that's how I would argue that. But I agree. I wouldn't want to see him do that all the time. I just think it's cool as, I think it's a cool character piece of character that when it really is needed he is willing to be that person like instead of watching all these people die i'll take one for the team i'll do it it also shows how much the mandalorians truly mean to him right because he's risking his life for armor he wants to take fallen armor back to figure out whose was this, what's the backstory. It's a sign of honor to take that fallen uh, armor back. He's willing to risk his life to fight this ridiculous beast that nobody can beat. And early on, especially, like he's sitting up there, there's the flight montage with him and uh, the marshal, and they're firing at the dragon, trying to find a way, trying to find a weakness, not finding one. At any point during that, he could have said, all right, this thing is pretty much indestructible. That armor does not mean that much to me. It's not going to really advance anything for me, so I'm getting out of Dodge. Um, so that, that really shows like what the culture actually means to him. We've seen it with the, I'm not going to take my helmet off. This is an amplified version of it to me. Yeah, that's actually a really great point because he, the whole reason he got into this was to get that armor. He wouldn't be helping these people or be in a situation where he has to say, I have to sacrifice myself to save these people if he didn't care so much about reacquiring that Mandalorian armor. Yeah, he's such an interesting and dynamic character because you know, he's a bounty hunter by trade and he's cutthroat by trade, but as the show keeps going, his uh, his heart's getting bigger. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but um, you know, like a your typical bounty hunter, you'd think he would have just killed Timothy Oliphant for the armor in that moment. And they were ready to have the fight and Oliphant stood down and like they, they banded together and said, Hey, I'll trade it for this. I feel like most Mandalorians in that situation would just be like, uh, no, I'm not taking that deal. I'm taking the armor right now. So give it to me or we're going to fight. Right. Yeah. So I know it's just an interesting dynamic of how his characters developed over the past season. All right, so what do we think the next episode's going to be about? Do we think he's going to stay on Tatooine? We got the very, uh, Corbin already mentioned it, the very last scene of this episode, we see uh, Boba Fett played by, I can't pronounce his name, Tuimer, Tuimer something. Yeah, it's a New Zealand name. Um, played by uh, Django Fett actor i can't pronounce his name um at the very end watching mando with the armor so do we think we're gonna stay on tatooine for a minute do we think we're gonna come back i kind of hope that we don't um i understand for the story purpose we had to go back to tatooine at some point 
but I, me, I, it is a show where I 100% do not mind subplot episodes or Freak of the Week episodes at all, but I am itching for the explorative story that was in place at the end of where he was given instructions to find Jedis and he was going to have to go out exploring a little bit more. And so I'm just ready to see new areas. Okay. Only because yeah, Tatooine is just, it's, so, it's, just, it's such a Star Wars staple, uh, but I don't need to see it all the time. I feel like we're staying on Tatooine and I, I, I'm kind of like you. Like I think if I were the one creating the show, I'd probably have him return back to his now disbanded hive but with the armor and that's where they would explain like hey that's not mandalorian all armor we get the backstory of uh boba fett but i have a feeling just when you saw boba there i don't know if boba has the capacity to follow him so if for boba fett to become a bigger thing it would require him to come back to tattooing and I just, I just don't know if that flows well with the show. So I feel like maybe we're going to stay here for another episode or two. Um, you know, the mechanics there, I can see the mechanic come into play, watching the child, and then there being a confrontation between Boba Fett and the Mandalorian at some point in the next episode or two. I feel like that's, for me, the drawback of a short season is that is like you, you, you talk about we might be here on ep- another episode or two. I'm like, that's half the season. Get off yeah. t- fucking Tatooine. And I find myself getting antsy in that, as- in that regard where I'm like, I'm not necessarily needing to have more episodes about the, the hardcore plot, but uh, I, need you, I need you to move along because we only got seven more episodes. I want to see more. <laughs> is this season, I haven't even looked, is this season only going to be eight episodes as well? I, I feel like it was going to be 10, but regardless, yeah, I, I feel like for the show to flow, um, that's the case. Oh, otherwise, Boba was showing up the same time the Mandalorian was and finding the armor at the same time, which just doesn't, it seems like such a big stretch. So I feel like Boba's been there this entire time and just keeping an eye on his armor and seeing what was going on. And, you know, maybe he's been severely hurt. I mean, he's old for sure, but who knows what his condition is. Um, from that Sarlacc pit. Yeah. There's eight yeah. episodes. I just confirmed. Another eight. Yep. Okay. So. so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I kind of know the story of how he survived, um, but I can't remember if it's a legend story or if it's the new it's a le- we, canon story. I don't think we have. I don't think we have any Boba Because there's a story about uh, who's the bounty hunter with the bandages, Corbin. You remember his name? Oh, no. It's a weird one. Yeah. He actually is the one who kind of saves him. He finds slash rescues him from the pit and then kind of nurses him back to health. But I can't remember if that's from Legends or if that's the new version. But you may be right. We may not have gotten... A new version. I do know that uh, Cobb Vanth, he, I mentioned in the uh, last episode, that he does appear in the new canon, and it's the Aftermath trilogy, the new Aftermath uh, books. Um, 
he's in all three of those books. So the story of him finding the armor and becoming the marshal and doing all that is explored in those books. I think his name is Den- Dengar. Dengar. Yep. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dengar finds him and nurses him back to health. But again, that could be a legends fairy tale instead of actually fan fiction. That's the problem about. I was thinking about this earlier when I was thinking about what how I wanted to talk about things in this podcast. Things tend to run together in my brain because I have a, a wealth of pre Disney knowledge, and as I research and learn new canon stuff from the new expanded universe, sometimes it muddles together, and I have to say, well, I don't really know because it might be fake (laughs) what i know might not be real i was i was very impressed with the first episode i mean that we talked about the very minor criticisms that's what you're going to probably hear from me is trying to find very small things to critique because honestly this show is it's, it's as close to perfect as a show can get, especially when you consider how simplistic the formula really is. When I think about perfect shows, they're usually very complex shows like Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones where you have all of these little wheels that are spinning and sometimes you can't understand what's happening, but then you take that step back towards the end of the season. You're like, oh my God, it was all connected because of this. And like, you have that mind blowing moment. I don't know if you're really going to get that with the Mandalorian, but it's perfect. And what they do, like they have perfected the art of an entertaining, um, straightforward story. Yeah. The, the reason it's so perfect is because of its simplicity. It's, the cinematography is gorgeous. The mm-hmm. acting is spot on. Um, the story Action's is great. The action is phenomenal. Um, the story is direct. I think describing it that way is is perfect. And I think that's where that's where it's shining. I think where it makes up for by not having those like background wheels spinning. I think where it makes up for is just the eye candy details Mm. and that like the Marshall speeder is a pod race engine. Yeah. And we get the flashback of what it was like to see the death star explode and be celebrated inside of a, you know, small vapor farm cantina. Like there's just, it's just little things like that that just add so much more texture. But also if you're a fan of the material, it's like Easter eggs almost for you. So Mm -hmm. You, you almost you're satisfied in those extra areas. So you don't need to have those more complex things running in the background. Yeah. And that's, that's a great way to say it. It is straightforward and simple and perfectly done for somebody like me who misses out on some of those details because I didn't eat, sleep, breathe star Wars for a long time. But then you talk about the diehards like you guys and you can pick up on all the little details and it just it makes the story so much more full. And for somebody like me, it makes me excited as I continue to learn me going back and doing rewatches. I'm going to be picking up all kinds of awesome things. So a simple show that has rewatchability is really hard to find. And that's what The Mandalorian is. Yeah, definitely is. Okay, so some key takeaways from this episode as we move forward in the season 
Boba Fett is alive. He will most likely pay, play excuse me, a part as we go forward. I imagine it will be significant, but it will at least be a minor part. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett's armor uh, is still around. We anxiously await to see what's discovered about that. Will it be revealed that it's not real? Will we get a slight retcon? Um, we'll see. And... What you else? know what's going to be really interesting is if Boba Fett confronts the Mandalorian and claims to be a Mandalorian, like like you you kind of alluded to, and he may not know that he's not a Mandalorian because there are so many separate hives. He's out there trying to find them, and everybody does things differently. You kind of teased this in the last episode, mm-hmm. trying to understand the lore because there were some that were very lax with the culture, and then there were some like his hive that were very strict with the culture. So it's going to be very interesting. Like he might be able to deceive the Mandalorian into thinking, "I'm one of you. Well, help me out. Help fun, me get. Give me my armor back. Let's go and do some things." Yeah, a fun interaction that could possibly happen is what if Boba comes in contact with that cloning, the cloning doctor, and he, the doctor, understands exactly who he is upon first sight. And he's yeah. like, "There's more of you." <laughs> yeah, that'll be. Interesting to see how much that ties in. And then I wouldn't... I imagine we haven't seen the last of uh, Cobb Vanth. You don't cast somebody like Timothy Oliphant in uh, a character who seems to have a significant place in other Star Wars media um, and uh, expect not to see him again. So I imagine we'll... That was the only thing that like really kind of bummed me out is when... Mando meets these characters and like in the sense of a video game, it's like a new party member. I'm like, why do you have to say goodbye? Like having his banter and wit on the crest for the rest of the season would be amazing. Yeah, we It makes me so sad it. that it just makes me sad that they have to, they feel like they need to part ways sometimes. Yeah. We may still uh, get every it. time, every time he's met someone in an episode that's just for the episode. I'm sure we'll have some sort of incident that requires him to gather his buddies again. And I'm sure if we don't see Timothy before that, it'll happen towards the end. So he's a handsome man. He gets he better is with so age. handsome. <laughs> he really does. He's he's gotten like more thin fit. His hair's gotten more lush. He's got that salt and pepper. <sighs> I'd be super excited if they if uh, Mando finds out that that Boba armor isn't actually Beskar and gives it back to Timothy Oliphant's character. That'd be dope. And then they become best friends and then they rocket back through the universe. I kind of think, I kind of think some of that's going to happen is you're going to have some final showdown and he's going to return the armor to Timothy Oliphant saying, you'll put good use to this and they'll team up and maybe fight Moff Gideon. Who knows? That'd be dope. Both of them flying around. Yeah. Yeah, zipping around, shooting at him. Mm-hmm. And his gun, how it looked like a Western revolver, his blaster. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, the details, boy. So good. So cool. So good. All right. Well, we are anxiously awaiting episode two, which releases next week. We will talk to you in that one. This has been the More Mando Show, where you get more Mando after the show. We'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.
See ya. Bye.